Magic is power. Patrick, I am your legacy newbie, and with me this week, as always, traveling from afar, finally making it home, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much. I am exhausted, but <laughs> high spirits. Awesome. Oh, that's great. We, we are definitely going to get a chance to do a little EW breakdown for you all this week. But first, as always, we want to give a shout out and a thank you to Hipsters of the Coast for bringing you Leaving a Legacy every Friday. Uh, you can check out Hipsters for a ton of content. They're also actually on the lookout for new content producers, so if you're in the market for doing that, uh, definitely hit them up. And also, you know, if you want to support the show, you can do so on patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Uh, you can support the show for as little as a dollar episode. We have a ton of sweet rewards, stickers and playmats and shoutouts, and uh, we have the, dis- the Discord channel now, which is a lot more lively now that Jerry joined the actual Discord yeah. channel. <laughs> can I just say... Pat invited me to a Discord channel that said, Leaving a Legacy Discord. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> Seems kind of quiet in here. Not really a lot going on. I, I don't think Jerry understood that that was the failsafe for if Skype doesn't work one week, we can use Discord to chat. Uh, I, there, was I, a link of, there was a Patreon Discord channel as well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. So Pat's like, why aren't you in the Patreon Discord? I'm like, what do you mean? I've been in here for weeks wondering where the hell everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the other side's hopping. We're doing a lot of talking over there. So, <laughs> uh, if you like, I said, if you want to get in the the Patreon only channel, uh, check out patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Uh, so, Jerry, let's talk about your week at MTG because I didn't get a chance to play much uh, because our recording got pushed back a day yesterday, uh, last week. I had to edit on Wednesday, which is normally my night to stream, and then the rest of my week was just shot with other stuff going on. So, I didn't get to play any legacy, but you my friend, played a lot of Legacy, from my understanding. So tell me about your week in Magic, man. <laughs> I did. I did play a lot of Legacy. I think it came out to be... Uh, it was 33 rounds of Legacy, all told. That is a lot. That's that's more than zero. <laughs> that is that is a more than zero. That is a lot of Legacy to cram into uh, three days. So yeah, I averaged about uh, 11, 11 games of Magic over uh, uh, per day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I got a lot to go over. You you ready, Pat? You gonna buck? Yeah, oh, I'm, listen, my voice has to rest. So Jerry, you take it away, my friend. I can't wait to hear your stories. <laughs> All right. Um. So I mean, we got there. Uh. You know, Thursday night, just kind of passed out. Uh. And then went down to the venue on Thursday for some last chance trials. Uh. So jumped in one. Uh. You know, it was pretty uneventful. I played sneak and show. Uh, you know, deck felt good, but I I kind of lost on some uh, some mulligans, which you're gonna you're gonna hear is gonna be a recurring theme of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it wasn't like too bad. I ended up going like three two in the first trial, uh, which was good for like half a booster box worth of uh, points. That's actually and, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a thirty dollar entry, so I went. Oh, okay. Yeah, thirty dollars went three two, got half a box. Um, but it was immediately followed by. Uh, immediately followed by another trial. And at first we were all like, all right, once this first trial's over, we're going to go get dinner. We're going to relax. Maybe go to the bar, like see the sights. 
and we <laughs> we all enter in uh, enter into the first one. The first one's over, uh, and immediately we all gather together. And uh, Nick Bliss, bless his heart, is like, "All right, guys, you uh, you ready to go get dinner? You ready to do this thing?" <laughs> and we're like, "You know, there is there is another trial going on right now that we could just jump in." <laughs> it's <laughs> so like ah oh, god damn it we like dragged him kicking and screaming to the registration uh line uh signed up for the next event um uh, i go in it and immediately i'm paired against bob huang round one <laughs> i saw you said you got the auto buy round one <laughs> and it was more like bob got the auto buy because <laughs> it's like game one i milled to four and then game two i think i milled to five and he just he just crushed me yeah <laughs> Uh, and then after round one, I played against like death and taxes, which just got like the hard lock on me. Uh, I couldn't find the omniscience. So it just gave me my quick like auto two losses. And immediately I was like, yeah, I don't want to be here another three hours and like win out, like literally have to win all my games from here on out in order to uh, prize. Uh, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, Nick was pissed because Nick was still doing well. I'm like I I told him like Nick you're gonna stay in this you're gonna you're you already have two losses you're gonna win two and then you're gonna win lose that last round and you're gonna have nothing to show for it <laughs> he's he's like no I'm staying in I'm persevering and lo and behold that's what happened <laughs> I on the other hand I went back to the house and I napped let me tell you Pat there is no higher EV than napping <laughs> it is a high EV event for sure for sure um. Uh, speaking of though, the Airbnb we got to was sweet. Uh, we we rented this Airbnb and it was like three floors, uh, had like uh, four bedrooms plus like a bunch of pullout couches, but it was decorated by an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> so you like you open the front door and immediately you're just hit with this big like eight foot long tin sign that just says lubrication <laughs> this is the first thing you see when you open the front door okay is <laughs> it like, a honeymoon suite <laughs> i know right and then it's like uh immediately to the left of that is a wall where the entire wallpaper is just skulls and there's like a victorian painting of like a little girl from the 1800s just like Oh, the the soul of that little girl is trapped in that painting. I can I already saw tell. That. They're all like sugar skulls. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah, super weird. Then you like you go in the kitchen. You go in the like the dining room, and it has like a nineteen seventies like diner esque table. Uh, you know, like one of those silver bullet diners. You know the ones I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then it has an entire wall, like literally every inch of it, like. You, you could not put a finger in between the painting frames <laughs> of just Jesus. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> just various pictures of Jesus. <laughs> Can't trust him. Can't and, trust him. Then you go into the kitchen. The kitchen's like a super modern, like, looks like it was just redone kitchen. Like, everything's brand new. Uh, we immediately stocked the kitchen with, you know, several bottles of bourbon. Uh, so we were well, well stocked for the weekend. Uh, then, like, going upstairs... Uh, is another living room and some bedrooms and like all the paintings on the walls are uh, like 
various pop culture, like mad, you know, like mad magazine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like mad magazine, like pictures of just like random stuff. <laughs> and there was like a Dolly Parton wall. It was just, it was just a really weird house, <laughs> <laughs> but it had plenty of room. Like we easily could have fit like 10 or 12 people in that house. Um, you know, it would have been cramped, but we had, we had, uh, you know, numerous people just, you know, a lot of people just came over cause, Either their travel plans fell through or like they only they they ended up uh, wanting to stay an extra day. They were going to leave on Saturday and then they decided to leave on Sunday. So like, oh, yeah, we got plenty of room. Come back, hang out with us, you know, grab a couch and, you know, uh, find your spot. So the house the house was awesome for that. Just like plenty of room. Everyone just kind of hanging out. Big community atmosphere. Like, I don't think I can ever go back to hotels, Pat. Like, I, I think it's just Airbnb from here on out. <laughs> I mean, they are like they're uh, all the ones that we've that we've uh, used have been fantastic. I have no problem with Airbnb. So, yeah. Plus, like we were a five minute drive from the event site. So Uber literally cost us like seven dollars to go from the house to the event oh, that's site. So, that's so sweet. And like parking was 15. So we actually ended up like saving money in that regard. Nice. And the house was like right in like the downtown strip of uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Like we literally walked to the bars every night. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we uh, like we came, we came back napped and then I think I forget it was, it was a blur. I think, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we tried going we tried going to Wendy's for dinner. Oh no, this is the night it's all it's all fading together. <laughs> uh, let 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 it be said that somehow we ended up eating gas station food one night. Oh. I think it was uh the night we got in, but it's okay Pat because it's it's uh Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania's like gas station food is like five-star restaurants compared to other states because <laughs> of because of the majesty of uh Wawa style gas stations. Oh, I've heard really good things about Wawa. I've never been to one myself, but people really enjoy it as a gas station, I guess. So would, like I mean, I I can say that one of the best prime rib sandwiches I've ever had is from the gas station. Jeez. And I say that unfacetiously. Oh, man, <laughs> I am not I'm not buying it, man. (laughs) My Pennsylvania brethren, get on the group and tell Pat the error of his ways how awesome Wawa is. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Uh, I think we I think we went to the bar. I don't know. It doesn't matter Friday night. (laughs) Um and then so Saturday was the big day. Uh so I sleeved up show and tell, you know, got it all dusted off. I was going to put it in new sleeves, but then I realized the sleeves that I had were uh, the KMC Ultra Matte, which have, like, for some reason, they matte the front of it, so it just dulls the foils. And I'm like, well, I can't re-sleeve my deck now, because then I can't see the foils. <laughs> <laughs> and what will you spend all that money on? All for nothing. Exactly. Crazy. I mean, I need to show them off. Gotta, gotta <laughs> flaunt it. <laughs> uh, 711 players in the main event, right? Yep, seven hundred eleven players, eleven so, day event, eleven round event. That so that's something that I want to touch on real quick. They need to fix that because an eleven round event for Legacy is just that's unreasonable for one day of playing Magic. I think I, mean, I know they want I know they want to spread out the event so that vintage players can play Legacy and Legacy players can play Vintage. But like if they do day one Vintage, the next day is day one Legacy. You know, the next day is uh, you know they do day one Vintage. And then day two vintage, the same day that is day one legacy or something like that, where they can, they can, it just, it drives me nuts that there was an 11 round day of playing magic. I think that's so ridiculous. You know, so I, ridiculous. I played all 11 rounds and I actually didn't think it was that big of a deal. Oh man. I played, I played nine rounds in Vegas and I was like, this is, 
this is a long day. It was a long day. And 11 oh. rounds, I think, I think 11 rounds is just too much, man. I think it's too much magic. I think that they need to cut that day into two. I mean, I went home from that day and I played like four hours more of uh, magic. Yeah, so. because you're a degenerate, Jeremy. <laughs> like, you were, I was you, fine you with 11 forced days. Forced to eat gas station food rounds. because you were so pressed for time no, while this you was, were up there. So. This, this was the night that we, uh, this is the night that we got in. Now I remember we flew in and we got in at like 11 and we tried to go to Wendy's. But the drive-thru was closed. We didn't have a car. And they wouldn't let us walk through the drive-thru. But there was a gas station across the street. That's how it was. It all came together. I remember so, it. So, you're, so Jerry is just, like, making bad decisions left and right. <laughs> He's also telling you that 11 Rounds of Legacy is a good decision. So take that with a grain of salt for right, sure. Well, but. First of all, like, how, there's, how are they going to change it? They can't have... You legacy. know what, Jerry? That's not my problem. I don't care how it's changed. <laughs> it should be a two-day event. It is. Period. It's a it's a three day event. That's the problem. It's already a three day event. Like they would have to stretch it out into Wednesday, which no, is going to be even worse because they then people need to just, can't take time off work. They need to just like make peace with the fact that some people are going to play Legacy and some people are going to play Vintage. They need then to stop trying to double dip. No, that's base. terrible. No, because there are sixty. Uh, what is it? Thirty-three uh, percent of our household played in both events. If you okay. make like making players choose is not the way to run a good event. You know, between That's having literally long, how every other large event is run, Jerry. Between <laughs> between not every other large event is legacy and vintage. Like this is but, probably the mm-hmm. one rare situation where you have a major vintage tournament and a major legacy tournament. The big one of the big draws of Eternal Weekend is that it's the one event where you get to do both. You get to play your vintage. You get to play your legacy. So at what at what point can they cap an event to be nine rounds? Like, what is the the maximum you can have for a nine round event for people? Uh, pretty small because uh, like four hundred players for in the vintage event ended up being ten rounds. Mm-hmm. So it's probably like something like three hundred three hundred players something around there. I'm gonna look it up right now. We'll continue continue with your story. All right. I mean, well, my, I'm my story's good. <laughs> I, <laughs> you're the one complaining about an event you didn't even play in. <laughs> yeah, nine rounds is up to four hundred nine players would be nine rounds. Four hundred and nine players. Yeah, so yeah, I guess yeah. vintage probably had like four hundred and ten plus. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, the, the the point is just that I just feel like eleven rounds. Like if if I was going to Eternal Weekend, I'd be a little miffed that the the main event was eleven rounds. It just seems a little bit. It seems a little bit much for me, man. Don't you know? worry, Pat. You can drop out after you pick up your second loss. So yours is only like a three round tournament. <laughs> Hello. Fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> thought, thought I lost you there, but I guess it, nope. just, it just cut deep. No, nope, just stew, just stewing, just stewing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess should I get into my tournament report? <laughs> Please. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Go on. <laughs> um. So yeah. So, uh, round one. Uh, oh, I also kept track of the round times. Uh, just to kind of get a feel if they were like launching on time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have round one starting at nine thirty. Uh, which I think it was the players meeting was at nine. So it started a little late, but not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, played against, uh, my opponent named Mike on death and taxes. Ooh. That's exactly what I want to see, Pat. I want to see round one, death and taxes. round one worst matchup. Uh, not only that in my worst matchup, I mold a total of nine times over three games. Jeez. I think it was like, Four, two, and five were my oh, you hand sizes. The, you, went, you mulled to two? I mulled two. Like, the three was unkeepable. The three was like... When, how do you mull... All right, so here's a serious question. I'm not trying to dig at you. But, like, how do you mull past four? Like, I, I feel like I keep a five-card five, li- five card hand 
like 90% of the time, and then I always keep whatever four cards I draw. No, I mean, the if the four cards you draw are like double Grizzlebrand, Emrakul, uh, Emrakul Omniscience, it's like you might as well mull because that is a, essentially a mull to one. Like you have one relevant card and the other three are just redundant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, sneak with a deck like Sneak and Show, it's like you, you mull until you have, like, so literally anything to do. Because if you have multiple copies of the same card, it's my, it, like, if I look at a hand, and it's an iffy hand of seven, and, like, the hand is, like, Grizzlebrand, Emrakul, Emrakul, or, or not even that, like, just, like, like three fatties. It's a seven-card iffy hands of three fatties. It's like, I'm mulling that because it might as well be a mull to six. Mm-hmm. Already, because you just have a dead, redundant card that you're not going to use. Um, I mean, yes, there is the argument. It's like, oh, you can always shuffle it away with Brainstorm, but if I had a Brainstorm in the first place, I wouldn't be in this predicament. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why I mulled it, too, just because it was like... I mean, it, once I got down to that point, I was like, I'm not winning this game anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which I didn't. Um, I, I did win the mull to uh, four... So I think the only reason why I won this match is, like, no offense against my opponent, but I just don't think he knew legacy and the intricacies of it, like, at mm-hmm. all. Like, mm-hmm. I really got the feeling someone just kind of handed him the deck. Um, so, like, uh, game one, I uh, played Sneak Attack, and he said, in response to you playing Sneak Attack, activate uh, Aether Vile, Put in um, uh, oh this must have been game three because he, this is a cyborg card. He said put in uh, put in a uh, relic warden or whatever it is like the uh, the creature when it comes into play exile an artifact or enchantment until uh, until the creature leaves the in, battlefield. In response to you p- putting yeah. it on the stack. Yep. So he said in response to you playing sneak attack, vial it in. Oh, that doesn't. Okay. So I'm like. Uh, I'm sorry, man. This is Comp Ariel. If this was FNM, I would let you have it, but yeah. <laughs> I want to win this. So, <laughs> no, I mean that's that's perfectly reasonable, Jerry. I don't think you're trying to angle shoot there. You're just you're doing something that you'd expect him to do on the opposite side of the mat, you know, right. the table. So, right. So I'm like, you know, in in literally, he's like, I'm like, it it doesn't work that way. He's like, what what do you mean? I'm like, here, hold on. And literally, luckily, like a judge was walking by at that mm-hmm. very moment. So I'm like, I literally like like, hey, judge, hold on, come here for a second. I'm like, hey, I'm playing sneak attack. My opponent said in response, violin, uh, relic warden or whatever yep. it is. Yeah. Um, what happens? The judge is like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Yeah, so I ended up I ended up uh, winning that. So you know that that ended up working out. Um, <laughs> uh, also, game three of that match, my mole was uh, uh, that I ended up keeping was like uh, ancient tomb, lotus petal, lotus petal, Jace, like spell pierce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right, turn one Jace, let's yep. yolo it and see if we get there. <laughs> uh, just a quick question on the the uh, Leonin. Relic Warder is that even good in the matchup? Like it seems like the only time you can vial them in is if is if you like your opponent plays sneak attack without the mana to actually activate it. Is that uh, the only time you really want to vial it in? It's better in the Omni Show matchup because you put it into play. So that's so the Death and Taxes matchup is this huge game of like cat and mouse of mm-hmm. what what they think you're show and telling in and okay. what you think they're show and telling in because <laughs> you know if they put in Phyrexian Revoker and you put in Sneak Attack they got you 
Yeah. Um, if you put in uh, like Grizzlebrand and they put in uh, O-Ring or the new like Castaway or Castaway or I'm sorry, if you put in uh, Emmercool and they put in O-Ring or uh, Cast Out, um, you know, they got you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put in Omniscience and they put in Leonian Relic Warder, you know, they got you. So uh, Grizzlebrand's kind of the only one that really uh, gives you a, a bit of an edge no matter what. But even then, mm-hmm. if they already have a board presence, uh, you you might not be able to afford to pay seven life to draw seven cards because they can just kill you on the crackback. Right, right. So it is a very much a game of cat and mouse. So that Leonian Relic Warren is good. It's better in the Omni Show matchup because, mm-hmm. you, you know, that that player is much more likely to be putting into play an omniscience compared to an Emrakul or a Grizzlebrand. Sure. Sure. So that, you know, that, that card is, you know, an actual legitimate sideboard card for the matchup. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Sorry. Continue. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I took down round one, um, mostly just due to luck and the fact that, uh, you know, my, my opponent was a little unskilled in far of like the legacy matchup. Um, round two, I played again. So round two started at 1040. Um, so that was a little late, about kind of 20 minutes late on the first mm-hmm. set- setup, but you know, not mm-hmm. terrible. Um, and I played against lands, uh, you know, lands is just kind of a, a pretty easy matchup. I don't really mm-hmm. have any notes from it, but, uh, uh, you know, I just, I, I took that down two one. It was pretty easy. Uh, round three, Pat, <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. round three, I played against eight rack. Not Pox, actual factual eight rack, like the modern deck. <laughs> and this is in the three O in the uh two O bracket. <laughs> so it's like round three, eight rack. Um and it's like actually that matchup isn't the easiest because they just have so much discard and all of their removal is sacrifice effects. <laughs> Uh, but I was just able to like get a sneak attack into play and then just use cantrips to float my creatures on top and then, you know, draw them when I had the open red mana to uh, swing for the win. Mm, nice. So, uh, took out, uh, uh, eight rack two O, uh, round four. Uh, oh, also that round started at 1153. Um, so, and then the next round four started at 1256. So they're going a little bit over time. I mean, each round is 50 minutes, but you have to keep in mind in a tournament that large, there's pretty much always someone every round going to time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the turnaround was actually pretty quick as far as like them getting the next round up once everyone had finished. So mm-hmm. they were going basically like an hour in between each round. Um, round four, uh, I played Miracles. Um, and that was actually a really close match. I, even though I beat Miracles 2-0, um, it was pretty close. He was running the um, Soothsaying version. Oh, okay. And both games went long, and the longer the game goes, the better Soothsaying gets. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. eventually it's like, uh, look at, like, the top six cards of my library, put them back in any order. <laughs> <laughs> so, um the miracles matchup, uh, it, it came down to, um, he he had me dead on board. He had like two snapcaster mages and a containment priest in play, mm-hmm. uh, and I show and tell'd and put in a uh, sneak attack off the show and tell. Oh, nice! <laughs> because he, in response to the show and tell, put in the containment priest. So I'm like, 
All right, luckily I have this uh, sneak attack that I was going to use. Um, and I, I wasn't dead yet, so I had to pass back. He then, like, cracks back at me for six with, like, the two Snapcaster Mages and Containment Priests, putting me at one life. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, this is going to be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I start, I start brainstorming, and he brainstorms then cast uh, his third Snapcaster Mage to flashback, brainstorm, Jeez. to brainstorm in response. Like, yada, yada, yada. Like, we, we go, like, uh, I think I end up, like, spell-piercing his brainstorm. Uh, and we, like, fight over my brainstorm. And I end up winning the brainstorm battle uh, uh, with him having one Tundra left open. And if my opponent had just instead, I don't know why he did the brainstorm. He also had a pyroblast in his graveyard. Um, so instead of using the flashback on uh, his brainstorm, if he had just flashbacked his pyroblast, mm-hmm. I probably would have lost the game. But he flashbacked, uh, he flashbacked brainstorm, and he uh, ended up uh, not finding anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so my brainstorm resolves. And the third card down is Wipe Away. (laughs) (laughs) So I cast Wipe Away, targeting his Containment Priest. Now, Containment Priest has Flash. So the fact that he only had one mana up is what saved my ass. And, like, I just saw his (laughs) face drop when he saw the Wipe Away. (laughs) Because I think he might have, like... He might have found something like I don't really know what his hand was, but he didn't look like he didn't look like he had lost it until I had cast that wipe away. And because wipe away split second, he can't respond to it. And because containment priest costs two, he can't recast containment priest. (laughs) So I had exactly three mana, you know, to cast wipe away and then activate sneak attack to put Emrakul into play to swing for the win. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So. That was pretty awesome. Oh, another highlight of that match uh, was... Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. It wasn't a sneak attack. It was a pyromancy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> because I remember, I remember he, he fate-sealed me with his Jace. Yep. And put pyromancy back on top. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't think he read that card. No, he did not read that card. <laughs> Um, or maybe that, that, that might, fuck, I'm forgetting. God, it's such a long tournament, Pat. It's like, it's like you had a really long tournament, Jerry, like it, almost like 11 rounds of magic or too many in one day. I, that's so weird. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting these like flashes and highlights of just amazing, amazing situations that the, just were awesome. But. I'm not going to lie. Like I find that the hardest thing to do when you're writing a tournament report is just recalling all of the things that occurred in the, in the, like the order that they, that they occurred. It's. It was very difficult for me to write my Vegas recap. Yeah, it might. I think maybe then that I beat Miracles. Maybe I beat Miracles three uh, one or two uh, one, and he won the first game because I distinctly remember wiping away a Containment Priest so I can sneak attack in Emrakul to win, <laughs> and I also distinctly remember him putting Pyromancy on top of my library with Jace Fate Seal, and then using <laughs> that Pyromancy to win the game. <laughs> so maybe maybe he won game one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I I think that must've been what it was. Um, so now, uh, coming up on round five, uh, this is where things started going downhill. Um, so So you're four and oh now I'm four and oh, I'm running hot, feeling real good. 
I get paired up for round five, and I sit down, and I start chatting my opponent. He seems nice enough, you know, friendly. We we talk a bit before the match starts. Uh, you know, round starts, we present our deck, and he just, like, picks up my deck and looks at the bottom card. What? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm not a very confrontational person, Pat. I mean, yeah. e- even though my internet personality may say otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very laid back person and, you know, in actual person. So I'm like, all right, maybe it was just like an accident. He didn't mean it, you know, whatever. So we shuffle up uh, the decks. And um, also to note is every time I shuffled, you know, fetch land, ponder shuffle, like basically every time I shuffled, he didn't just cut my deck, he would then pick up my deck and shuffle it, which that in itself is fine, you know, that's totally reasonable. Yeah, Some I mean, people that's, are just, that's, that's yeah. the best way to, to cut someone's deck. Yeah, yeah like, that's, to, that's totally fine. I mean, I think it, it it can sometimes get a bit excessive and take up time, but, you know, that's it, I think that's there's nothing wrong with that totally reasonable. Yeah. What I did have an issue with it was, is, like, he was shuffling my deck at, like, a 45-degree angle. Okay. Where, like, the the cards were facing him. I see. So basically, every time he looked down, he could basically, like, see my deck. Right, right. Still, I have not called a judge yet, because, like, it's that kind of awkward situation where it's just like, you know, I don't really have any proof, I just have a really bad feeling at this point. Yep, yep. Like, I just have this kind of, like, pit growing in my stomach, and I afterwards I kicked myself so hard, because after that first one, I should have just called the judge immediately. Yeah, but it's also like, you know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but... I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And it's also like all the people I met at, at eternal weekend were like amazing people. Like uh, pretty much all, every one of my opponents were awesome people that, you know, were fun to talk to. You know, we were just there to like play our favorite format. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely kicking myself because I should have called a judge. I should have called a judge to shuffle for me. Um, so every time he shuffled, he was like shuffling it at a 45 degree angle. Um, and then, so he wins game one, we go to game two, shuffles, you know, shuffles at a 45 degree angle, and then, you know, passes back my deck. Mm-hmm. Now, Pat, he's on Nick Fit. Okay. <laughs> Nick Fit runs Cabal Therapy. Right. It, so it's game two, you know I'm on Sneak and Show. If you're Nick Fit and you're afraid of, you know, me, uh, me going off... You know what? What do you name with Cabal Therapy against Sneak and Show? Uh, you know, game two. You know it's a, it's Sneak and Show. You're uh, you're on the uh, the draw, and I've gone like Island Ponder. Uh, show and Tell, I guess. I, I'm maybe. Yeah, I mean, Show and Tell is the quicker card. He names Sneak Attack and hits. Okay. Which I mean, that by itself is totally fine. It's like maybe he just had a thing for Sneak Show and Tell. Uh, you know, besides that, even though he was also running Gaddick Teague. Uh, and Gaddick Teague shuts down. Like, I'm just saying it's like, on top of everything else, like him just naming Sneak Attack in the blind and hitting after right. all this other kind of situation is kind of suspicious. Sure. Then in that same matchup, uh, I'm p- uh, pondering for the win. If I hit Omniscience, I win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ponder. Uh, I don't find it. You know, I shuffle. I present to him. He picks up the deck kind of shuffles it at she shuffles it at a 45 degree angle and i'm looking at him shuffling it and the entire time you know he shuffles he could he could kind of see the cards you know just based on you know the edges because uh, it was kind of like splayed out a bit okay and he's shuffling and he just doesn't shuffle the top of the library 
Huh. Like he basically okay. like he cuts the deck and then he like does the the like smush shuffle. Yep. Only shuffling the bottom half of the deck so that the top cards always stay the same. Hmm. Okay. So not like, not exactly how I want to shuffle a deck there. Yeah. So I'm like once again it's all circumstantial evidence. Like maybe that's you know, he was doing it completely by accident, you know, maybe he didn't realize, but it's just like all of these things piled together just made me feel real shitty. Right. And it's not like this is a side event. This is the main event. This is the, you know, your, your X and O going into round five. Like it's, you know, it's significant enough where you want to make sure you're playing tight magic. Yeah. And I mean, it was a hundred percent on me. I should have called the judge way earlier. I should have had them watch the match. I should have had them, you know, if I, you know, at that last cut, had them cut the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, like it definitely on me, but it was just like, I just felt like shit. Like Tom, like uh, I ran into Tom Smiley after that match, and he literally mm. asked me what was wrong because he said oh, I wow. looked. He said I looked like my had a relative die. <laughs> oh jeez. Um, because like I just felt I just felt terrible because I just like I had this feeling like man I got had and I'm not like a suspicious person. I don't think of just like it's just bad beats or it's like oh I like uh, it wasn't on me. It was just my opponent was a dirty cheater. Like mm. I just I just felt something just wasn't right about that match. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, I ended up reporting it to the head judge, um, so that they could kind of keep an eye on him for the rest of the tournament. Uh, so that was kind of, that put me on like serious tilt. Um, just like I wasn't feeling good after that. And I go into round six and, uh, I end up playing Maverick. Uh, Which, okay. if there's any matchup worse than Death and Taxes, it's Maverick. <laughs> because Maverick is just Death and Taxes plus Gaddock Teague plus Knight <laughs> of the Reliquary for the tutorable Caracas. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like, against Maverick, game one, I uh, I end up mulling to three against Maverick game one. Because my deck just was not cooperating. Like, I just kept getting these hands, Pat, where it's like my seven... Is like five awesome cards, and then the two mana sources are two lotus petals. Oh yeah, that's rough. And then like I mulled a six, and it's like uh, four awesome cards, and then two ancient tombs. Mm-hmm. I'm like fuck, okay, can't use this either. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I go to five, and it's like two Grizzlebrands, an omniscience, a force of will, and uh, like a like a spell pierce. I'm like mm-hmm. fuck, you can't use this either. So I mull, I end up mulling the three. He beats me on the three. Uh, game two, I end up beating him um, just with I'm able to get like a quick sneak attack off. And then game three, he goes Caracas into Gaddock Teague, <laughs> which oh, is like all, basically a hard lock against the deck because it's like yeah. Caracas shuts off show and tell and Teague shuts off uh, sneak attack. Yeah. So basically, the only way for me to win is to show and tell in either a uh, omniscience or a sneak attack, mm-hmm. which means I'm basically I'm no longer a two card combo. I'm a three card combo. Yeah, that's not where you want to be. <laughs> yeah, and we know <laughs> three card combos do not work in Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just like right off the bat, he got the Caracas into Teague and just ended my day. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so I picked up my second loss, and I'm like, all right, I'm pretty much out of top eight, but I'm, I'm going to still play for top 16, uh, still play it out. And my round seven is, uh, is against uh, this guy named Rugvid, who um, I didn't recognize his name at first. He didn't recognize me at first. So we sit down, and, like, game one, we're all business. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, just all business. Um, and like, we're like, we're picking up each other's day. Like, 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 like barely a word is spoken, uh, uh, game one. Um, I don't even remember who won. Um, the, the match was like three, <laughs> one, but like, we didn't even speak. And then as we're sideboarding, he just goes, wait a minute. Are you Jerry me? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I, I'm in, I'm in the meme chat with you, which is this like, <laughs> <laughs> chat, like he's he's friends of he's friends with like Lawrence and uh, oh, okay. Bobby, like like Anurag, like all those guys uh, yeah, who yeah. I'm in who I'm in just like a troll chat with where we all just rag on each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, oh. so we like we realized who each other were, and instantly just like the entire tone of like the match completely changed. Like we were like joking around with each other, <laughs> just like that's so funny. <laughs> Messing around, um, so I forget who won one in uh, round uh, game one and game two. Um, it doesn't like he won one and I won one. All I remember mm. is, is game three. <laughs> game three, I play like a turn one pithing needle on thespian stage. Okay, <laughs> and I, like I think he goes for like a tur- he goes like turn one off a of mox diamond a chalice of the void on one. <laughs> mm. So we end up going like. Back and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I have I have show and tell omniscience in hand, um, and a sneak attack in play. And he has like a bunch of lands, and then he finds like a dark depths. And I I end up uh, sneak attacking in um, sneak attacking in Ashen Rider to yep. exile t- uh, his two Thespian stages in case nice. he finds the Crozen Grip for the Pithing Needle. Yep. Or the Abrupt Decay. So I exile his Thespian stages, and he just has dark depths. <laughs> and he goes like uh so he goes like okay pay three remove a counter from dark depths oh my god <laughs> like so all right the, the manually thawing it plan <laughs> manually thawing it and like he's not even doing it every turn because like he's trying to do other things like progress sure. his board state and i'm just like drawing cards like i'm i still have my counter magic so i'm countering uh like gambles and stuff to prevent mm-hmm. him from finding an, uh, another thespian stage um just like going back and forth, I'm trying to like get like I'm like uh, ponder, and he's like it's countered. I'm like all right, just checking. <laughs> oh right, because of the chalice, yeah. Right, because it's a chalice trigger, and I mean I know there some people think think it's you know that people have debates about it, but you know it's your opponent's trigger uh, for them to remember. So if they say yes, it's good, it's good. Right. Um. So but I mean Rugva was too smart for that, so he's like nope, that's <laughs> that's countered. <laughs> And we go back and forth for, I'm pretty sure it was like 12 turns, 12 turns of me not being able to find a single goddamn creature Jeez. in my, into, in my deck. And he manually thaws the, uh, manually thaws the dark depths, swings in and kills me with the, with the, uh, merit lage. And oh I just, I wasn't even mad. I wasn't yeah. even mad. Like, <laughs> He hard cast for 30 mana a merit lage. You know, he, he earned it. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, he was an awesome guy. It was great, great getting to like meet him in person and just talk to him. So <laughs> it was just a hilarious, you know, if, if I was going to pick up my third loss anyway, that, that is exactly how I wanted to pick it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so after that, uh, I ended up playing against uh, a guy named Shannon on turbo depths. Um, and I was able to just take that down a quick two zero, um, which was surprising because Turbo Depths can be hard, especially since they have, you know, four Thoughtseize, four Cabal Therapy, and they're yep. a quick combo deck. Yep. But um, he he had some unfortunate Mulligans, and I just had some good draws, um, so I was able to take that down uh, pretty quickly. 
Round nine, I get paired against Dominic. <laughs> oh, our, our friend Dominic Monfrey. Yeah, who was staying in the house with us and who I was giving <laughs> no. sideboard advice to the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it's round nine, and, like, it's been so it's such a long day that, like, I totally forgot what he was on. <laughs> like... Like, he literally, like, handed me his sideboard the night before and was like, hey, do you think I should run this? What about this? Da, 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 da. I'm like, nah, you should cut this and you should add this. And I just like, fuck, I don't even remember what tech he's on. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he's on Blue Red Delver. Yeah, sure. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> Your favorite. Your favorite. It, know what Know what? it is not a favorite of? <laughs> Sneak and show. It oh, is yeah, not no, a good matchup. It definitely gives you problems for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's basically like a quick deck that has counter magic backup, and that's exactly what happened. Like, um, he just uh, he beat me two one, uh, just real quick uh, with his. You know, he would just go like turn one monastery Swiss spear. Uh, you know, days uh, my my first counter um, like my ponder start beating me. Uh, you know, play another Swiss spear, play a Delver of Secrets. Uh, and just like keep me on my back foot, and I'd like both games that I lost. I I was just like one turn away from winning. I'm just like I just need one more turn so I can like activate my ancient tomb to cast this sneak attack and attack. But I'm only on two life, so I can't actually do that. Right, <laughs> and like that's just how that deck goes. It's like if if they stumble a bit in the beginning, you have enough of a life total padding that you can get in there. Right. But if they don't stumble, and he did not stumble at all, he played the deck really well. And he just he just killed me before I could get anything going. Yeah, we we talked a lot about that too, like because you and I have played a few matches of Sneak and Show versus Blue Red Delver, and like Delver of Secrets, just the card, and then the package that goes with Delver of Secrets is just a headache for Sneak and Show, right? Like a oh, fast yeah. clock on turn one, plus disruption, plus you know the ability to dig for answers makes it a difficult deck for show and t- for show and tell to play again. So um, I'm not surprised if he takes down that match because it seems like you're probably, yeah, I mean, it's not like a complete matchup. blowout. Like Maverick is like Ma- like Maverick's a pretty big, right, blowout right. If you don't have uh, the, the omniscience hand, um, you know, you can win the blue red mm-hmm. matchup depending on who has the better hand, but I would definitely say they have the leg up in that matchup. Uh, especially like after sideboard, yeah. uh, when they kind of can bur- board out some of their burn and bring in some more counter magic, because literally all they have to do is stick a turn one creature and then just keep me from doing anything for a couple of turns. So mm-hmm. he blows me out. Uh, next round, round ten, I verse our one and only Kevin Sprague, who's who's also part of the group, <laughs> and oh, yeah. Kevin is on Infect, <laughs> which is. Which is basically blue red delver, but it's green instead of red. It's like quick turn one aggressive creature with counter magic backup. Um, These these this matchup is the one matchup where I actually regret shaving one of my sudden shocks because I cut a single sudden shock Mm -hmm. for pyromancy. Pyromancy was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like I won several games through during the day with pyromancy. Um, but like infect yep. is just the matchup where you want your sudden shocks, just being able to kill the, their creatures yeah. without them being able to respond is just super key. And Kevin also mm-hmm. just kind of just wrecked me. <laughs> um, I was able to like fight over, uh, you know, fight over his, uh, what's the blue infect creature blade, uh, bladed agent. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah, so I like I fought over his blighted agent with like a pyroblast and then he didn't have an infect creature for a while. And then he found like an Inkmoth Nexus and he was just able like Inkmoth Nexus is really hard because mm-hmm. like my sweepers can't get it uh always because mm-hmm. you know the what you want to do against infect is you want to try and kill their infect creatures on your turn. So if they use the pump spells in order to save it, you're not taking that pump spell to the face. With Inkmoth Nexus though, you know, he doesn't animate it on my turn, so I have to fight over it on his turn, um, which means either I let him swing in and attack me and take the infect and try and get him on the pump spell, uh, or, which is, you know, not the way to do it, is, like, fight it before combat, have him pump up the, the Inkmoth Nexus, and then have him swing in and hit me for all that infect. Right, and right. so, like, he had the Inkmoth Nexus, and I tried... Uh, fighting over it, you know, in response to his his first pump spell, and he mm-hmm. just had like the vines of vastwood or the second pump spell every time. Right. Um. Right. So yeah, he just he just wrecked me with uh, the ink moth nexus. Uh, which, in fact, kind of in that same vein, a blue red delver just real quick turn one threat or turn two threat yep. backed by counter magic. Yep. Uh, and then round 11, I ended up playing uh, Jacob in Elves. Um, Elves was also, was uh, I won that one 2-1. Uh, that was one <laughs> where I also killed him with Pyromancy. <laughs> um, like he, I think he uh, pithing needled my sneak attacks. He pithing needled mm-hmm. my sneak attacks and then like surgical to show and tells. And Pyromancy saved the day. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Um, I also, in like the second game, the reason why I won is I, uh, or I think it was the third game, because uh, it was a 2-1 match. Um, the reason why I beat it is Kozlik's return is so brutal in that matchup. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> he goes like turn one, uh, turn one, Green Sun Zenith for Dryad Arbor, turn two, play Deathrite Shaman, uh, uh, dry, uh, no, Deathrite Shaman, Heritage Druid, and like Nettle Sen- Sentinel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, end of your turn, Kozlik's return. <laughs> just like casual four for one. <laughs> it's just oh, like, nice, very nice. Yep, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, very nice. And I ended up, uh, draw like drawing Pyromancy. Um, he glimpses twice. He glimpses twice and, like, fills his board, but, like, doesn't have enough for the Crater Hoof Behemoth. But he mm. has enough that uh, on his second, uh, when he can, when he gets, like, another chance, um, he uh, he can swing in and kill me. Mm. On the end of his turn, I activate Pyromancy and discard the only card in my hands, which is Emmercool. <laughs> and he's on 16 life. <laughs> so I put him on one. I have no cards in hand, and he has enough creatures to kill me on the crackback, and we go to my draw step. And I just, let, like, knock on top of my deck and just do the Yu-Gi-Oh! moment and just, like, grab the card, like, flip it over and just, like, slam it on the table for both of us to see it at the same time. <laughs> and it is our father who art in the graveyard, Grizzlebrand be thy name. <laughs> <laughs> so for the final game of the day, uh, I threw, I used Grizzlebrand, not in the most conventional manner, but I used mm-hmm. Grizzlebrand to, uh, win the game. <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, that was my main event. Uh, I ended up going six, five, not the best record. Uh, 
but I I felt I played well. Like I definitely felt like I know Sneak and Show inside and out. I can almost I pretty much I think I can say I've mastered Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that it's the hardest deck in the world to master. Um, but you know, I, I don't think I made any misplays that cost me any games other than I should have called the judge in that one matchup. I guess that's my biggest misplay. Um, I just felt like I lost a variance. Like all my matches I lost because I was just mulling to shit. Yeah. Um, and then like, even against like blue red Delver and infect, like I was mulling to six mulling to five in games. So it, uh, yeah, it just, I, I felt like, like sneak and show. I think we were talking about this on the, on the, uh, Facebook page earlier today. You know, you Mm want to master your deck. You want to play what you know, but there are definitely decks that reward you for that more than others. And yeah, like sneak and show, you could be the best sneak and show player in the world, but if you mulligan to four, um, you know, it's not going to matter. So, you know, I definitely felt like I lost a variance in the, in that tournament. Yeah, I mean that's it. You, playing eleven rounds of Magic, you're gonna have some that go your way and some that don't. And like, I'm sure there were probably three or four matches that like could have easily fallen in the W column than the L column had like cards lined up a little bit differently. So uh, that is just that is just kind of the nature of the game, unfortunately. And it just it's tough. I mean, I'm glad you slugged it out for the for all uh, eleven rounds and and got your money's worth out of that event and didn't drop early or anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, can you just <clears throat> something I want to ask too because we've talked about this a lot you are very much of the mindset like most tournaments you go to I would say basically every tournament that I've been in with you if you like pick up your second loss or third loss whatever basically kicks you out of top 8 or at least top 32 you will just auto drop and like shop around or play side events mm-hmm. what was different about this tournament that you were like no I'm you know I might be out of top 8 contention but I'm, I'm going to continue playing this event Um. so big reason was uh, everyone else was staying in, so it's not mm-hmm. like I was going to go home. I mean, I could have like gone around, shopped around, but th- you know, I didn't really need anything this year. Um, I basically went in uh, with base with the only thing I needed uh, were the expedition scouting tarns. It's all mm-hmm. I need to finish sneak and show, and then it's completely done. And nice. before the event even started, I went around to all the booths, and there was like maybe three expedition scouting tarns in the entire room. And they were Whoa. just, like, ridiculously overpriced. Probably because there was only three. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was kind of the thing. Like, a lot of the prices were very high. And talking to people, that's what they said. It's like, you know, this is the Eternal Mecca. Eternal Staples are going to be at the highest they're going to be yeah. today. Because right, this is when right. everyone needs these cards for this event. So I looked around, and they're like... like uh, one one dealer had had a bunch, and he wanted like two hundred and fifteen dollars for them, what? and they're going on TCG for like you can get slight played ones for like one sixty, you can get like near mint ones for like one eighty, and he had like some scuffed up ones he wanted like two hundred and fifteen for. Jeez. So I'm like, ah, uh, no thanks. Yeah, yeah. See you later. Yeah, bye. See you later. Peace. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like I knew there wasn't anything in the vendors. Um, I mean, I probably could have gone to the artists, but. I just, I, I actually, I feel bad I didn't see any of the artists this year, um, just didn't have time. I just, I wanted to stay in it because, you know, it, this is the event. Like, I put Eternal yeah. Weekend, like, on a higher pedestal than GP's, like, not because mm-hmm. of value, like, GP is obviously going to have a higher EV than Eternal Weekend, but it's like, this is champs. This is, like, legacy 
champs. This is where you test your medal against the best players from all over the country, mm-hmm. all over the world. And honestly, it was some of the best people. Like, uh, uh, aside from like that one round, like every single one of my opponents was awesome. You know, yeah. yes, some were kind of the stoic, weren't really as, to- you know, as talkative, but you know, that, that, that wasn't really the majority the majority of players that I played against, you know, wanted to talk, you know, you know, oh, how long have you been playing Legacy? Where'd you come from? You know, did you see X, Y, and Z yesterday? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. What about this? Mm-hmm. You see this? Like, I was just honestly, like, that's why I didn't think the 11 rounds was that bad, was I was honestly yeah. enjoying myself in all 11 rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah, and then once I got to, like, round nine, I'm like, well, I can't quit now. <laughs> like, I mean, nine I'm rounds. So I'm just, I'm just going to finish these last two. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Um, so yeah, no, you're you're right. You know, most times I would just be. It's like, all right, fuck this. I'm I'm dropping. Right. right. Um, I think also the fact that I didn't have the option to like drive home and sleep in my own bed was <laughs> <laughs> was another call. Yeah, that's a that's a motivator for sure. Yeah. But you ready for tournament report part two, Pat? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's the tournament report part two? Are we just going to talk about the top eight and stuff? Uh, well, no. Before that was I entered into the side event on Sunday. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so I ended up switching it up, and I played Bug Delver, uh, switching it up for the side event on day two. Seems like a strong deck. Yeah, I was playing a very different list than the one that ended up winning. Um, so I played the list that I talked about on last week's episode, um, where I was running, you know, the four Death Rite, four Delver, two Dark Confidant, two True Name Nemesis, and a Leovold. And then, mm-hmm. like, the spell suite was, like, uh, three Fatal Foot, Push, two Abrupt Decay, uh, two Collective Brutality, which, Ooh. let me just say, I in one of my games, I did Collective Brutality, uh, minus two, minus two, your Death Rite Shaman, uh, Escalate It, discarding True Name Nemesis uh, to duress you, um, <laughs> duress you unearth my true name nemesis oh, <laughs> like, oh man like that like plays like that were just so dirty um, yeah. I only got to stifle one fetch land in the entire tournament so I was kind of disappointed by that um, definitely think him to Torak is the better choice and I think I'm just going to do that I'm just going to switch out the stifles for him to Torak since I'm already on a four underground sea two tropical island split mm-hmm um, so definitely going to switch out the stifles for him to Torax because I think those would be much better. Uh, but yeah, like the deck just felt so good. I didn't drop a game, ended up splitting the finals and, uh, you know, I, I <clears throat> go up with my prize tickets and I'm like, right, I want to turn this in. I look around and it's like the prize wall was actually kind of shitty. <laughs> oh really? yeah. There was not really anything good to be had, uh, or so I thought. So I turn in my prize tickets and I get like two and a half boxes uh, with my prize tickets of Exelon. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's like, Ugh. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. I mean, it was still like I pay. I basically got two and a half boxes of Exelon for the equivalent of like sixty dollars. <laughs> and uh, as I'm walking away, I'm just like, wait, what's that on the top shelf over there? <laughs> and he's like, oh, these are starter packs of revised. Oh, I love, we were just talking not that long ago with Sam about how much I love starter packs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how many are those tickets? How, mo- how many tickets are those? <laughs> and the guy just goes, same price as that, those two and a half boxes you have in your hands. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, that sucks. And he's like, if you want to give those boxes back to me, I'll give you that starter pack. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So I like handed the two two and a half boxes back to him, and he he's like, and he goes, "You want to pick it?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> he like took he took the box off like the top shelf, and he let me like pick out the starter bat starter deck from the box. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, ended up you know as as bad as the main event went, uh, winning a revised starter pack uh, for sixty bucks is is not that bad. And you uh, cracked it and opened up what? <laughs> I did not crack it. It is still sealed. I'm debating selling it and just free rolling the uh, the trip because God, don't I spent don't. so much money on this trip, Pat? <laughs> so much money on this trip. The bar next to our house had Founders Breakfast Stout, Pat. <laughs> I spent. I think I spent more at that bar than I spent at the vendors. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, you can't do that, man. Don't do that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing it. I think I, I think I'm just going to hold on to it because it's essentially a re- reserve list item. It's it's right. almost better than a reserve list item. So yeah, because it could be it could be it could be anything. All all of them. It, it could be it could even be the duels. Yeah, it, it could be a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm just going to hold on to the reserve list. You know. Also, I I just kind of like owning it. Like I have mm-hmm. a, I own a little piece of Magic's history. Yeah, that's super awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I won that. Um, yeah, Bug Delver felt real good. I think I'm gonna play that for a while. I'm gonna tweak it uh, to make it the Him to Torak version. But really liked the Dark Confidants. Really liked the uh, True Name Nemesis. Uh, I like the Collected Brutality. Uh, you know, when we talk about the the one that won the top eight, I like that list too. Uh, yeah. But I'm kind of running a more interactive version where he's re- running more of like a beat your face, strip your hand type version. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just I like the version of Bug Delver that I'm on now. Yeah. Um, and I went undefeated. So that, that was that was fun. Um, I will say I did have one negative experience in that tournament, too, though. Um, oh, really? Yeah. My round one opponent was on mud. And like he was literally a magic online salt mine in person. Oh jeez! <laughs> like every time, every time I would uh, like, I ponder, pondered, brainstormed uh, for an abrupt decay on his voltaic key, and he's like, "Oh man, that was a lucky draw." I'm like, "Was it though?" <laughs> like, <laughs> guess three cantrips here. <laughs> <laughs> you really gonna say that was a lucky draw? <laughs> yeah, and then well, it's in the it's in the eye of the beholder, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and I thought he was gonna flip the table when I cast Maelstrom Pulse on his uh, <laughs> Grim Monolith, and I hit I hit three of his Grim Monoliths with a Maelstrom. No yeah. way! <laughs> thought he was gonna flip the table, <laughs> but uh, like that's all. Like him being salty is fine. What really got me was like, um, he had Charles the Void on two. And I abrupt decayed his Chalice of the Void, and he just looks me straight in the eye and he goes, it's countered. And I was like, that's not how abrupt decay works. And he's like, okay, yeah, it's not. Chalice is countered. <laughs> what? And I'm like, dude, you are lucky this is a side event, because that's straight up misrepresenting the board state. That is right, that is actual exactly. cheating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um. So, so once again, I clearly didn't learn my lesson, because I didn't report uh, didn't, you know, call the judge in that very instant. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was, an, I, but I just want to say like, overall, like I played 33 matches of magic that weekend and I had two yep. bad experiences. Right. Right. So well, that's all. I mean, my experience in Vegas was extremely similar where like I played nine, you know, I played nine rounds the first day and three or four the second and just had like 
excellent experiences in almost every single round. Like it was the legacy community is just the best community that plays magic around in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that might beat it is vintage just because it's almost like, uh, you need your, Uh, you need your, maybe you need your member. Well, just because it's like, you need your membership card. You need to have been here for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Like you can, you can just be an average, you know, asshole who buys into legacy. Like, right. I, I just feel proportionately. Sure, but, sure. Like the vast majority of people were super nice. Actually, in the side of the side event on Sunday, I played against the my, the nicest person I played against. His name was uh, Jake. Uh, mm-hmm. He's from like uh, the uh, I think Buffalo area. He's he's friends with Ely because uh, like in our in our match uh, he was talking and then he like someone came up behind me and he like just made like a casual comment. It's like oh yeah did uh, did so and so bring you a sandwich? It's like nah did he bring you one? It's like nah that dick. <laughs> and I turn, <laughs> and I turn around and it's Ely Cassis that he's talking to. And I'm like oh what's up Ely? <laughs> but yeah so early shout out to uh, to Jake because he was like literally the nicest person I have ever played against. Like just yeah like su- super super nice. I can't even put it into words. So it was a it was a nice uh, send off for for my magic. <laughs> nice very awesome very awesome. Did we want to do a top? Like, so I have the top sixty four lists, but I think that might be might wait for another night on that one. But I did want to kind of talk about the top eight. Did you want to get into that? Next? Yeah, let's just talk about the top eight, and then also the kind of general breakdown of the overall tournament. Sure. Yeah, sounds great. So, um, <clears throat> we did have. I guess we'll just go one through right here. Um, uh, first place, uh, Hans Gotik brought it down with uh, with Bug Delver. Uh, we had uh, second place. Uh, one of my calls for this top eight. Uh, we had Eric Virgo coming in second with Rug Delver. <laughs> uh, third place, Bob Wong on Grixis. Also something I called. I called Bob Wong in the top eight and on Grixis. So <laughs> oh, I yeah. Pat myself on the Big back. Actually, real quick about that was I finished the side event and then I went over to the to the top eight to go root Bob on. And yep. I just see Bob collecting his prize. And I'm like... Oh, uh, no. Bob, sorry. And I went to like give him a pat on the shoulder. And he just like turned around and he just like, he just turned around and he just like, he just like hugged me. He just came like, oh. just, just like hug. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, Bob. Oh <laughs> but, man, that's a heart. That's yeah. a heartbreak. I mean, that kid is, that kid's a monster. I mean, yeah, he'll he, be on top. He'll be in top eight again yeah, next year. Yeah, <laughs> he played super well. I'm, I'm super proud of Bob. He did, he did a great job. Yeah. Um, we had Hani Alnimer on Esper Deathblade, which you unfortunately got wrong because you called Bandstorm. Oh Stone my Blade. God, I know, right? <laughs> Last time I called Desper Stoneblade like, and it was Bant. Last time, well, because last time I called Esper, I called Bant and it ends. Or no, like last time I called Esper and it ended up being Bant. This time I called Bant yep. and it ended up being Esper. <laughs> God damn it! I cannot um, get that right. Uh, Andre Strosky on Checkpile, Luke Bloom on Grixis Delver. Uh, then we had Seth Black on Eldrazi. Eldrazi, a deck that I didn't expect to see in yeah, top eight, but was, was, was well represented in the uh, in the meta game. And then Brian Koval rounding out the top eight, also on Grixis Delver. So uh, this seems like a, a top eight that would have been difficult for for Sneak and Show to make it into, just because there's such a high quantity of Delver decks here. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about this this top eight list, Jerry? This top eight uh, group here, Jerry. Um. Well, I mean, right away in the winning uh, list, two Liliana, the Last Hope in Bug Delver. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can definitely see why, like, it's a good card, um, but it's, it's interesting. It is overtaking Liliana of the Veil as Liliana of choice. Yeah. And that's, 
So Liliana the Last Hope is one black black for the three loyalty planeswalker. You can plus one or two, um, minus two, minus one, up to one target creature until your next turn. Uh, minus two puts the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. And the minus seven ability, I think this is what where it gets, the like why it's a good card. You get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step. Put X, two, two black zombie creature tokens on the battlefield where X is two plus the number of zombies you control. So, like, once you ultimate her, she's like a, what, a three-turn clock, maybe? Maybe a four-turn clock? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it is relevant. Um, I saw multiple Liliana the Last Hopes getting ulted over the course of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you think people are minus-twoing this card? I mean, it depends on the matchup. In the grind, sure. in the, like, against something like Elves or Death and Taxes, like, you're just going to plus her straight to ult. But, right. like, in the Delver matchups or, you know, the four-color control check pile matchups, you know, you're going to minus her fairly frequently just for that value. Right, um, right. You know, and he's also running uh, Tombstalker in his list. So yep. Liliana is also, like, powering out Tombstalkers every time she minus twos. That's a really, really great point. I didn't, I didn't even really consider that at all. But, yeah, like, any creatures that can... I mean, I guess, like, also... It's great for Tarmogoyfs, right? Like it's able to get yeah. more cards in your graveyard because when you're running four Deathrite Shaman, like you tend to be, you tend to pick out quite a few cards in your graveyard. So perhaps this Liliana is allowing that uh, kind of inter- that, that delving of cards away, uh, you know? Because so, all right, you would think that a list that's running Tarmogoyf wouldn't want delve cards in it as well, right? Because right. they're going to shrink your Tarmogoyf. But perhaps this Liliana is kind of mitigating that that sort of uh imbalance there the, the kind of like these this deck trying to do two different things delving cards out of the graveyard but also wanting enough cards in the graveyard to make your tarmogoyf worth casting mm-hmm. um and you know and also like death shaman is another card that will a lot of times pull cards out of your opponent's graveyard but oftentimes pull them out of your own as well so uh, really interesting uh addition to that deck there mm-hmm. also uh an interaction that i love with it is sylvan library like you Sylvan library, you take a card, but the next two cards are just junk and you're, right. you're basically just floating those. Like how often have you been in that situation where you're just floating the same two dead cards on top of your library with Sylvan library, uh, just yep. hoping not to draw dead without a way to shuffle them away or anything. like right. that. Right. Yeah. With Liliana, you could just dump those two dead cards into your graveyard and see a fresh mm-hmm. three cards on your next turn. Yep. So I love that interaction as well. Um, yeah, I, I, like, I don't know, I'd have to play it, but I still don't really like the Tarmogoyfs in this list. I'd almost want them to be true names instead. It's like, yep. yeah, true names are a bit harder to cast, but you have the Deathrite Shaman to power them out early. Uh, and, like, I just feel Tarmogoyfs just, like, Tombstalker isn't taking Abrupt Decays or Fatal Pushes. Um, you know, you, right. you still got the Delvers and the Deathrites, but I would just kind of like a bit more of a resilient threat. I, I yeah, I've never been the biggest fan of Tarmogoyf to, in the first place. But yeah. I just I would I would like to see those be like uh, true name nemesis. Like I would switch if I was uh, running this list, I would switch it out to be like two true name and a, and a Lee of old. Yeah, I I suppose um, I just don't know if Lee of old's where you want to be in this list. I've, you know what have I mean? You read Lee of old, Pat? <laughs> I know what Lee of old does. God do, damn it, do you? <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> uh, but I mean, perhaps I mean he was. Uh, 
I hate this to be too. Yeah, know, not to arm results or not to armchair general he, the guy who won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like he's got a first place list for a reason, but I think it's probably a reasonable assessment. Um, but I just do, I really do like the interaction with Liliana there and like these Delve cards in the list. I think it's really sweet. Yeah. It, um, moving on to the second place list was Eric Virgo on Teamer Delver on Rug Delver. Uh, super sweet list. Running the you know the four nimble mongoose, four Delver secrets, and two hooting mandrels, and the single true name. Um, I love this list. I think I'll be putting it together um, in paper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> notice buy three drops again. <laughs> he's not running Tarmogoyf in the list. No, no Tarmogoyf. Two hooting mandrels and one true name. Hell yeah! There for the for the big beaters. Let me make money on that place out of foil hooting mandrels. I foolishly bought. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was going to be the next big thing, and then Gurmag Angler happened. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, we had uh, Bob Wong in third place, um, running Grixis Delver. Uh, Pretty stock list. Um, he is running the three young pyromancer, but also two true nemesis. So he's kind of cut down on his instants and sorceries in this list, and is running more creatures um, because he's running the four death right and four delver as well. So um, yeah, a little more creature heavy Grixis Delver list, and occasionally we would see Grixis Delver not running the young pyromancers, but he's he's definitely you know running that that red for uh, for young pyromancer and uh, and a couple of lightning you know a place at a lightning bolt so. And, a, and actually a fork bolt in the main as well, so... Yeah. Um, fourth place, Esper Deathblade. Yes. Again, this is not a deck that I'm super familiar with, oh, but man. he is running four Monastery Mentor in the main. Yeah, uh, we actually might have Hani on the cast in a couple of weeks. Uh, sweet. we got some mutual friends. Uh, I love this list, Pat. This list is sweet. I think I'm actually going to really? sleeve this deck up. Oh, yeah. So I was talking to um, to Min, who's a friend of his, Mm-hmm. Um, who Min's actually going to be on next week's cast. Um, Min was saying that instead of being like a regular Esper deck that just tries to go, um, you know, under check pile and loses, mm-hmm. he's trying to be a monastery mentor deck that just like, like it explodes and just check pile can't keep up with. So, mm-hmm. you know, he has, Deathrite Shaman to power out early Monastery Mentors, and then he's combining Monastery Mentor with four Gitaxian Probe and four Cabal Therapy. So it's like, Gitaxian Probe, look at your opponent's hand, make a token, uh, you know, prowess trigger. Cabal Therapy, uh, make another token prowess trigger, uh, strip the card out of your opponent's hand, flashback Cabal Therapy with a token, get another prowess trigger, make another token... Uh, take another card out of your out of his opponent's hand. So like that engine is really really good, and then he couples it in the sideboard with meddling mage. Mm-hmm. So like the taxi and probe meddling mage is just basically cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna name the card that's in your hand. <laughs> Uh, and then he has like the Stoneforge Mystic package, uh, to you know, at, which is a tried and true engine. So mm-hmm. like this is much more of an engine expert uh list than we've seen in the past um i just i just really like this list just feels super tight well designed like the numbers just like it's very clean it's like for death right for monastery for stoneforge for brainstorm for cabal therapy for force of will for getaxing probe for ponder for swords the plowshares two spell pierce two jace mm-hmm. like that is just like a clean list 
Uh, plus, you know, one Batter Skull, one Umazawa's Jitte. So, <laughs> yeah, like it, it looks like a list that he has tested the hell out of. He has identified the key cards. You know, he's not messing around with any cute one ofs or trying to, mm-hmm. you know, he knows what he's going to do and he does it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like this list. Yeah, very sweet. Well, it'd be awesome to talk to him about it and see kind of where his head's at with the list. Yeah. Uh, so fifth place, Andre Strowski on check pile. Nothing super different here. I mean, two Jace friends prodigy in the main board, which is interesting, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that personally with check pile. Eh, it comes up here and there. Yeah. Um, uh, sixth place, Luke Bloom running Grixis Delver. Again, this is like, uh, I think the 70, same 75 as Bob Wong. I think. Yeah. Pretty stock list. I think him, Bob, pretty close. Yeah. I don't know if they know each other or it's just the fact that Grixis Delver is pretty much been set in stone what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, Seth Black running Eldrazi, which let's let me look down this real quick. Um, yeah, all he's running a Caracas in the main, which we've kind of seen uh, Four chalice, two GTA. Yeah. Very like very stock Eldrazi list. Nothing, nothing very interesting there. Um, in eighth place, Brian Koval on Grixis Delver. And again, Nothing too crazy in that. He's running a Tombstalker in the main, but but that's, you know, that's the only difference from the other lists that we uh, see. Well, so. he's also running, like, two Cabal Therapy. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but still, like, nothing nothing crazy, so. Right. How about that? Just uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. So what is it? Six? No, yeah, six Delver decks. Oh, well, I guess... Now, five Delver decks, a check pile, yep. and an Esper and Eldrazi. Yep. Lots yep. of Delver, lots of Deathrite Shaman. A lot of Delver, a lot of Deathrite Shaman, a lot of Brainstorm. But I still think a great top eight. I think these are great lists, great players. I think the event was awesome. Um, real quickly, just looking at the metagame breakdown, which was very interesting, especially because of how many people have been calling for you know, the banning of Deathrite Shaman and how much it's affecting the metagame. I mean, you saw a check pile with a total of 60 decks with 8.44% of the field. Grixis Delver just below it with 57, just over 8% of the field as well. But then we go down to the Sneak It Show with uh, 6, 6.9% of the field. Yeah, four, I was 49 shocked copies. how many Sneak It Shows there were. Well, I think, I certainly think that um, Sneak It Show pieces, with a few of them being printed in EMA, might have made the deck a little easier for people to get into. Um, so may, perhaps that had an effect there. Also, we see uh, Reanimator, 48 copies of Reanimator, uh, 46 copies of Death and Taxes. We see 43 copies of Lands. I mean, you know, the top, the top what, 10 decks are all, you know, different decks with the exception of really Check Pile and Grixis. But I think those are different enough um, that they should be classified as different decks. Well, um, the way it is, so those two decks together, though, are 16% of the meta which is pretty much the same percentages we were seeing out of Miracles when it was banned. Yes, Miracles was like up up as much as 20%. Well, I mean, at, but yeah, again, at its like, highest. Like it averaged yeah. around like 15, 16%. Right, right. And six, I, I still think, personally, Jerry, that this is a perfectly fine metagame, very healthy metagame that we see out of out of the uh, Eternal Weekend. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 16% out of Miracles felt oppressive, and I think it's clear that 16% out of... You know, Check Pile and Grixis Delver together also feels oppressive because even though those decks are different, they very much feel 
like you're playing against the same deck early turns. Like going like turn one polluted delta into underground sea into death right shaman. Like it doesn't really matter if you're playing check pile or Grixis Delver. It still feels like the match is the same. Yeah, I mean check pile doesn't even play Delver of Secrets though. So I think if you're compl- well, no, that's, that's I, I think the difference. Play- Instead of ending the game quickly, like have, at least at least Grixis Delver has the good graces to end the game quickly. Oh, <laughs> check pile drags it out a few extra turns. <laughs> I think I think that. I think that this is fine. I really do. Like, I, I agree. Like, there's a lot of Deathrite Shaman here, but it's only been a few months since. It's only been, what, six months since the Miracles ban? Like, we all know. No, I, that, I agree. I don't th- think that it's legacy, time. I don't. Let me finish my thought. All right. Let me finish my wow. thought. <laughs> it, we all know that Legacy is very slow to move. It's slow to adapt. It's slow to develop great decks. So I, I really think that we're going to see other decks begin to rise up, be able to play against these these uh these. Deathrite Shaman decks. I think that if you're going to split hairs and say, oh, well, if we put these two decks together because they both run, you know, four of the same cards, then it's like you're doubling the metagame percentage uh, is the most fucking asinine thing. Let me finish. Let me finish. Try 40. Finish. 40 of finish. the same cards. <laughs> is the most asinine. It, regardless, it's, it's just asinine. It's not one deck. They're two different decks. They play two different strategies. Like, yes, like, uh, the spell package is similar. Like they're held together by the same, by four of the same creatures. But other than that, they play very differently. Um, one's a control deck. One's more like a, a mid range aggro deck. I really, I, I think that people who are like conflating the two, combining the two are really just stretching here. Um, we see a, a ton of decks here, um, over like the 3% threshold. Um, that I, I think we're in a really good spot in the, in the legacy metagame. Can I talk now? You may talk now. You may speak. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I still think it's too early for for us to ban Deathrite Shaman because we haven't had the chance for the meta to fix itself. But that's what I'm saying. The meta needs to fix itself or get fixed. I, I still Mic think drop. that if we stay... Mic drop. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be fixed. I think that we need to stop asking for these bans like... Miracles was a top deck for three years. Yeah. And we're going to complain about <laughs> that was six months. Two like... and a half years too long. <laughs> well, again, it was the top deck for three years. There wasn't a lot of pair. Like, there wasn't a lot of like decks fighting to be the top deck here. I think, I think we're fine here. I really do. I think, um, I think we'll also be fine if, if death, right? Shaman gets hated out. Yeah, that's fine too. I mean, I think like, I think that Deathrite Shaman being in the format is important. I think that it's good. Um, you know, there's not a ton of, there's really not a ton of mana ramp in the format in the form of creatures. I think that Deathrite Shaman about? is, the, the Rite Shaman is very easy to interact with. Um, you know, I, I just, I really think people are jumping the gun here, really trying to get this card banned out of the format. And this is from someone who doesn't play Death Ray Chomper. I don't know. I talked to probably 15, 20 people at the event who said, mm-hmm. yeah, after this, I'm probably going to stop playing Legacy for a while. It's it's just not a good, it's not a fun format to play anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you hear that. Um, well. I mean, yes, there will be people who will say that because Legacy is not what they envision it. But, you know, it it is getting to the point where people are just like, I don't want to play this, this crummy format because it's literally mm-hmm. just death, right? Shaman mirrors. Yeah, I like suppose. When I, I, mean, when again, I played I... death, right? Shaman, I played f- like basically four death, right? Shaman mirrors. My only non death, right? Shaman mirror was like the mud post. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, we will probably do a... We're a, probably going to talk about banning Deathrite Shaman every episode until it gets banned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will not. Uh, but we will do a Top 64 breakdown next week. Um, they are compiling the Top 64 decks on the source right now. They have, like, I'd say probably 80% of them, maybe even 85% of them on there, but we're going to wait for all of them to come on, and then I'd like to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, we're th- also we're also starting to run a little long in this episode, so mm-hmm. I don't want to drag it on too long. Uh, um, next week... One thing that we... Well, because also next week, uh, Lawrence and Min, who are both also at yeah. EW, are going to come on. And Min is actually trying to uh, bring together all 711 deck lists. Sick. That's awesome. So he's trying to do like a full event breakdown. Sick. That's great. I love that. Um, one thing we do want to talk about, our top eight predictions bet, Jerry. Unfortunately, my friend, you are now 0 for 2 in top 8 predictions. Literally, I actually, literally. I actually should get double credit because I said Bob Wong on Grixis Delver. I mean, so when I said, when like I said Grix, Grixis Delver, it was assumed I was saying Bob Wong. <laughs> <laughs> now, the only reason why you won is because I waffled. Literally the only reason. <laughs> well, otherwise, you would have tied. So you would have either, you wouldn't have even won. You would have either tied or lost. These are your options, Jerry. <laughs> oh, Mr. Dredge. <laughs> Food chain, uh, Maverick. Um, <laughs> uh, Maverick actually came in. Uh, they just mixed missed out coming in. Where was it? Eighteenth. Uh, so like just a few percentage points for making it in the top eight. Green white Maverick. Fine. <laughs> uh, Sneaker show also coming in fourteenth. Mike Howe who posted the. Uh, who uh, uh, po- had his tournament report posted on the Facebook page. So check that out if you haven't got a chance yet. Um, Jerry, did you want to talk about... I know you have a couple more things here. Tell me a little bit about... You have a bullet point of the legacy community. Tell me what you want to talk about the legacy community. Oh, man. Just so many awesome people, Pat. Like, literally, <laughs> I tried <clears throat> keeping a list of everyone to shout out. And, like, it, I, I know I miss people. Like, literally, I'd be just, like, walking around, walking by on my way to, like, to the pairings board, and I would walk past people, and they were just like, oh, hey, love the show, and then, like, they would, like, go off on another direction because they have to get to their to their table. So, like, oh, that's so cool. like probably, I want to say, like, 30 or 40 people just came up to me just to say, like, how much they liked the show. So it, it, that really means a lot. You know, that, that made my day, just talking to everyone and just, you know, talking about uh, the cast, just, you know, learning about people, where they come from, why they got into Legacy. So that was, that was just awesome, just... Yeah. Like literally so, so, so many people that I got to meet for the first time. Like I got, I got to meet Bryant Cook in person. <laughs> he was wearing a hilarious, he was wearing a Sandlot shirt that was like hot dogs and the chubby red kid from the Sandlot. Oh <laughs> <Just> yeah. Like, <laughs> so meeting, meeting Brian in person was awesome. Just like, um, meeting Zemet in person, Jeremy, uh, uh, just like, and of all the people I met, there were still like so many more people like Joseph Dyer and, um, you know, the try hard guys, like literally I, I, for as many, as many people as I met, there was probably another two people that I didn't get a chance to meet. Yeah. Like, yeah. I felt the same way uh, in Vegas. Yeah. And it's just like the reason why I like EW more than GPs is you could just kind of like feel it at, yeah. at EW. Like it just has like this community atmosphere. Like it just, you feel something in the air when you're at the event. Yeah, EW is something I was really bummed that I missed last year and almost went this year and just couldn't make it. 
Uh, it will definitely be blocked out on my calendar for next year. I won't miss it for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, I didn't even get a chance. The venue was sick. Um, really? So, yes, Pittsburgh is hard to get to. Like, the city itself was kind of annoying. It's either a nine-hour drive for it. Like, I heard multiple people complain about what a pain in the ass it is to get to Pittsburgh. It's mm-hmm. It seems like the only people that it's actually easy to get to from are the people who already live in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, it's hard for people in the Midwest. It's hard for people on the East Coast. It's, you know, it's just, it's not the easiest city to get to. But the city mm-hmm. itself is awesome. So the venue was right on the river. And like the first of all, the venue was just really big. Venue was super clean, had plenty of bathrooms. Like the bath, like bathrooms are clean. Like so, f- right off the bat, it's like that's all you really need to do to get a passing grade from me, um, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Um, and, but then also, it's like the venue had a balcony that just overlooks the river. Um, like it was right on the water, and you could like see across the river to the rest of the city. You could see the bridges, mm-hmm. and at night, like the bridges had a light show. Uh, that would like go off on them. So like the, I just probably one of the best venues I've ever been to. Nice. Plus the venue food was actually good. Um, like I got, so the venue food was good. The gas yeah, station food was up. good. No, Jerry is just high off his ass right now. Literally, I put my nachos on my burger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, get yeah, out but, of here no, that, man. talk to anyone who went and the venue food, like, so for $10, I got a like handmade pulled pork sandwich, fries and a drink. So like if we had done that at like the DCU center, that would be like a $16 meal. <laughs> what, what else do you expect? How old's? What do you mean handmade pulled pork? Like how else do you make? No, like it pork? wasn't like uh, they unsleeved it from a wrapper and popped it in a microwave. Like they had like actual like uh, like a crock pot of pulled pork. Okay. So like I'm just saying the food was good. Suspect. Talk to suspect. <sighs> Talk to anyone who went to the event. <laughs> Talk to anyone who went to the event, and they will tell you that the food was reasonably cheap, uh, reasonably priced, and uh, like actually good. Plus, within walking distance of the venue were hundreds of different bars and restaurants that you could go and eat at if you had the time between rounds. Yeah. So yeah, like no, that's awesome. So like and the city like going to the bars afterwards and everything like the city itself was awesome. Yes, it was a pain in the ass to get to, but Pittsburgh as a city, the venue was, you know, top notch and I really enjoyed myself at the venue. Nice. Ah, uh, yes. All right. I got you want to wrap it up, Pat. So you ready? You ready for my next rant? Please. <laughs> So I want to give an early shout out to everyone who stayed at the house to at house with us because those guys were hilarious. <laughs> like Dom, first of all, Dom was clutch. Dom, our friend Dom, because he was like the dad of the house because he had the foresight to bring a case of water and a case of monster energy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, plus he brought like the, uh, bottle of whiskey and, you know, Dom was <laughs> for the, for the water <laughs> to mix with the water. Yeah. <laughs> plus he was, Dom was just dropping knowledge. Like, uh, like Dom is a super cool guy. If you talk to him on the, on the group, uh, he is super interesting to talk to. Uh, great guy. Um, you know, I've known Nick bliss for years. Um, you know, me and Nick used to play at the comic stop, which was our local site. So, you know, he, he is just absolutely hilarious, dude. I've, I've spent lots of time with him and it was just, it was great, you know, spending the weekend. Um, you know, same goes for Tom mm-hmm. Smiley. Um, Tom, you know, uh, is probably one of the best players I know. You know, he's, he's very well known in the community. Uh, plus just like super nice guy. 
um marcus <laughs> marcus we we nicknamed the ann rand of the house <laughs> oh jeez. so so we're all well <laughs> so we're all backing up uh getting home i'm like oh damn it i forgot to turn in my card uh for the lotus pedal play man i didn't get my lotus pedal <laughs> and i'm like oh that sucks and dj's like oh oh that sucks well here jerry you want mine i'm like no i can't DJ, I can't take your Lotus pedal. That's your playmat. He's like, no, like I can, I can tell it's important to you because I do. I like to have a playmat from every event I go to as like a memory yeah. of the of the tournament. I'm like, no, I can't take it. He's like, no, Jerry, I want you to have this playmat. I'm like, oh, all right, thanks, DJ. I really appreciate it. And Marcus is like, Marcus is here, just like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, wait, Marcus, did it? Did it? Tom give you his his uh coupon to get the playmat because he couldn't stay the last day he's like i'm like how many playmats do you have i was like oh yeah i have tom's and i I also have a third one this guy at the venue just said i could have his playmat so i'm just like <laughs> like wait mark marcus you have three he's like he's like yeah i'm like well why don't you why don't you give you one to dj he's like well i mean you you guys worked it out like that's this is this is like the free market like like you got a playmat and dj wanted to give you his playmat so everyone's happy <laughs> Oh like, my god! Like goddamn, Marcus. And then, like, I think, I think Nick comes like, "Oh, we got a little Paul Ryan over here." And Marcus goes, "No, don't call me Paul Ryan. That guy's too much of a socialist for my liking." Oh man! But no, Marcus. Marcus is freaking awesome. Um, actually, the first night we were there, we were up until three in the morning because Marcus outlined this amazing uh, uh, plot called darth darth binks <laughs> if you go back and i know it's hard i know it's hard pat if you go back and you watch the phantom menace <laughs> yeah it's pretty clear jar jar binks is a sith lord oh god <laughs> it's true we're having marcus on the cast at one point pat so he can explain the theory but it makes sense man it's I don't it's totally it. true it's 100 percent true <laughs> yeah okay sure sure we'll talk Mar- about it marcus is coming on marcus is coming on oh yeah that's fine I, I'm, I'm saying this theory is ridiculous <laughs> no it makes sense man he, marcus opened my eyes uh he then okay. closed them again because then he said uh rogue one is the best star wars movie which is utter horseshit <laughs> Uh, it's one. I think it's one of the best. It's probably just second under under uh, it, uh, Force Awakens. It is barely a step above Attack of the Clones. It is one of the worst. You are you are so utterly and completely wrong, Jerry. Nope. I can't believe how wrong. Oh I don't think you've ever been God. more wrong. Rogue One is terrible. Rogue One. It's poorly written. There's like ten characters in it that don't need to be in it. Uh, none of it makes sense. Like, like Jane, Jane goes from like hating the rebellion to all of a sudden leading the rebellion in the course of a scene where it's like, you guys just tried to assassinate my father. So I'm going to give a rousing speech about how we should all band together and defeat the empire. Like, like oh what? my God, you like what? Like your knowledge of this movie has like, is so, oh man. Rewatch that movie. We're, oh my we're God. We're going to, we're going to do us. We're going to do a, a patron only episode where we just rant about Star Wars for an hour. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Marcus is coming on and I'm going to take both of you on, on why for, on why uh, Rogue One is a terrible movie. Yeah. I saw you fucking using like a college humor video to illustrate your point. It's a, well, like, I mean, it's the best video. It succinctly demonstrates all the points. It's, t- it's actually terrible. And all of his points are completely ridiculous. You're ridiculous. <laughs> Sure. Continuing uh, on. Also, other Nick was also there. He was a friend of Brian Cook that uh, that uh, Brian set up set us up with. He was awesome. Got to meet him, hang out with him. 
Uh, so it was, it was good hanging out with him. Plus, like, Zeke came and spent a night. DJ came and spent a night. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anyone else. But it was, it was just all the people were super awesome. And we topped the last night off with uh, Marcus has this sweet kingdom cube. Okay. Uh, so this is the real reason. I mean, Force Awakens and Darth Darth Binks uh, is a side side quest. The real reason why I want to have Marcus on is to talk about his kingdom cube. Uh, which we played after the main event on sa- on uh, uh, actually no on Sunday because me and Nick Bliss our flight out uh, was at uh, six in the morning so we had to get to the oh, airport at four and we accidentally on purpose ended up staying up till three in the morning playing this cube. <laughs> What? So we went, yeah, I was, that's why we didn't record yesterday is because I was dying. I'm just like, <laughs> like, well, I have to get on the, I have to go to the airport in two hours or so, or actually no, in one hour at this point. So I'm just not going to go to bed. I'm just going to power through it. <laughs> <laughs> but Marcus has this sweet cube where, so first of all, it's an EDH cube. So the first pack you draft is actually EDH generals. Um, and basically, so you draft a pack of various legendary creatures and you keep that pack in mind because you then draft a deck uh, and you then, based on what you draft, you choose one of the generals you drafted and that's your general. So follow me. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, you draft uh, an EDH deck. Then it kind of combines. Have you ever played Werewolf? Uh, I have not played it, but um, I think in the last GP... Oh, no, I think it was in Columbus, actually. Uh, uh, Ruben explained the game to me. It sounded awesome. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's like it's it's kind of like it's a party game where everyone gets secretly assigned a role and it you have to, like, act out that role in the game. Right. So in this Kingdom Cube, what it is is everyone's assigned a role. It's either king, knight, assassin or brigand. OK. Um, so the only person that's revealed is the king. The king wins by being uh, the last person standing. Uh, The knight wins if it's only him and the king left. So the king can still win if it's just the knight left. So the Mm -hmm. the king's job is to basically survive and be the last person standing, but can also win if the knight. The knight only wins if the king wins. So the knight's goal is basically just to protect the king no matter what. Okay. The brigands, their job is to kill the king. They win if the king is dead. And finally, the assassin, the assassin only wins if everyone else is dead, but they have to kill the king last because if if he kills the king first and it's just him and the brigands, the brigands win and the assassin doesn't win. Okay. So it's all about like you have to win, but you have to win in a specific order. And the meta is because you only know who the king is, Everyone at first pretends to be a knight. (laughs) (laughs) So it goes around and it's like the cube is full of cards like uh, the voting cards. And the king will be like, I want this vote to go through. So you better vote with me. Otherwise, I'm going to know you're a brigand. Only my loyal knight will actually really vote with me. (laughs) So everyone, of course, votes until there's a moment in the game where it flips and the and the brigands are like, all right, let's try and pull this out. Kill the king. <laughs> so it's all about like deception and like playing each other. And I was assigned the assassin. Of course. 
it was random. It was random. Oh, I forgot because Brian Michael was also there. Brian Michael came and hang out with us and got dinner at the house with us. Uh, he was the one who randomly assigned out the, uh, the roles. <laughs> okay. So it was great. Me and Brian Michael too. But, um, yeah, so I was the assassin. So I just, I just played them like a harp. <laughs> I convinced Marcus that I was the knight. <laughs> I was the knight, and then I also, at the end, convinced Nick, uh, Nick Bliss, that I was the other brigand, <laughs> and that DJ was the assassin, and we had killed DJ and successfully killed the assassin. <laughs> and I just like we uh, like it just came out, and then at the very end, I'm like, all right, boom, kill you, Nick, boom, kill you, Marcus, and I won the whole thing. <laughs> I had uh, my my EDH general up. I was like a, a Naya ramp deck. And yeah. I was, uh, what's his name? It's like Maneth or something. It's like green, red, white, uh, comes into play with plus one, plus one counters equal to the amount of mana spent to cast him. Okay. And then you can pay X, remove X plus one, plus one counters to either deal one damage to target creature or player, uh, put a plus one, plus one, X plus one, plus one counters on a creature or make an XX creature. Okay. And I was just, I was just like drafting ramp and like big creatures. And I got, uh, I think it's like mana geyser. It's like three red, mm-hmm. red, uh, add X mana to your mana pool where X is e- X red mana to your mana pool where X is equal to the amount of tapped lands your opponents control, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a lot in a five player game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the cube was just a ton of fun. I want to have Marcus come on and talk about it, but like, it was just a super, super interesting play experience, and it was just, like, a whole other level, because, like, not only, <laughs> there was just, like, so much, like, politics going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, like, people would, people, like, got so into it, like, uh, what would my king like me to attack this turn? As your loyal knight, I will do anything for you, king. <laughs> So it was a ton of fun. I I really want to play more of it uh, because I think it's a super interesting format. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, all right. So I guess you want to you want to take the discord questions next week, Pat? Yeah, we're almost on. We're almost on two hours now and uh, I got to be up at four tomorrow. So we're going to save discord for next week, actually, which is good because I really like the second question. Um uh, I think that having more people on will give us a a better kind of a, uh, response for that. Um, so I think we should just go right on into top eight, Jerry. Uh, I want to know who you're going to scoop in top eight this week. Oh yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna be more of like a top sixty four than a top eight, Pat. <laughs> oh surprise, surprise! Jerry's inviting a bunch of people to a to a thing more than is necessary. Oh uh, yeah, speaking of the the cast dinner was awesome. We ended up nice. we we did end up moving tables to a bigger table to fit more people. <laughs> It wouldn't be a Jerry dinner if that didn't happen. So. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> uh, let me pull my notes because I already feel bad because I know I'm missing people. I tried keeping a list of everyone to shout out as the tournament was going on, but it was just like, it was way too hectic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, So, oh, first off, so my very first match of the very first side event of the first day, uh, I played against Casey from Asheville. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we sit down and he's just like, are you, are you Jerry? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I just want to say I'm a big fan of the cast. Uh, you know, it, it's great getting to meet you. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Really appreciate it. He goes, yeah. He goes, okay. Uh, Bayou Pithic Needle named Sneak Attack. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> of course. That is great. 
So I thought that was absolutely hilarious, Casey. It was it was great meeting you. <laughs> and that's what I get for talking about my decks on on cast. Yeah, it's not like we. Yeah, there's no secrets here. <laughs> um, oh, then uh, like in one of my other rounds, I played uh, this guy named Chad from New York, and mm-hmm. uh, I need to switch to his firm because he was he also works at a finance firm um, up mm-hmm. in Montreal, uh, and he was saying that like the entire group is all magic players. Like, oh, man. like they stay at the office late to draft. They'll like play EDH on their lunch breaks. And I'm just like, I am at the wrong firm. Let me yeah, know when you, you guys, <laughs> yeah, let me know when you guys have an opening. <laughs> um, uh, then I just have like all the guys from the house. Uh, you know, Dominic was like the house dad. Dominic's awesome. Has he has some lightning hot takes that are always awesome. <laughs> yeah, I got to have dinner with him in uh, Vegas. He was great. Yeah, Tom, Dom. Dom is awesome. Tom Smiley said, you know, he's one of the best players I know. Super nice guy. He was awesome having at the house. Uh, Nick Bliss, known that guy for forever. Uh, he's he's like he's like my big little puppy dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, plus, he gave me a ride home from the airport, which was he did not have to do, but was super nice of him. Nice. Um, Nick C was uh, Brian's friend. It was awesome meeting him. Um, then, you know, we also had, um, you know, Marcus, <laughs> even though Marcus said is, is our little Anne Rand <laughs> trickle down economics theories. <laughs> Marcus is still a hilarious dude. It was awesome spending so much time with him. Um, and then, the, you know, uh, we got, I finally got to meet, uh, Chris Cheehy, uh, which was awesome. He came over, hang out with us, uh, you know, got to see him at the site, uh, I got to see Jeff Simpson again, which, you know, was great running into him, just talking to him. He, he was really into vintage and old school, and he was, like, showing mm-hmm. – he, he has all these, like, sweet altars. So he has, like, a mana crypt with, like, TIE fighters flying down it. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, he has a soul ring to be the scene at the end of A New Hope with the Death Star exploding and, like, the Millennium Falcon and the X-Wings, like, flying away from it. Mm-hmm. So he has, like, that altar. Uh, so, yeah, like, he, he had some sweet stuff to showing off. Um, oh, I got to meet – uh, Joseph Dyer and Zach, the Nick Fit players. Uh, also, more people we need to have on the cast because uh, definitely need to have Joseph on to talk about Nick Fit. Um, their friend, uh, I think, top 16 with uh, Dinosaur Nick Fit. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, definitely want to talk about that. Uh, oh, also, Calvin, our boy Calvin, who sold me all my Blackboard Duel Lands, he got more of, more of my money. <laughs> oh, so remember, remember how I told you how all the Scalding Tarns were, like, super overpriced on site? Yep. Um, so I go I go up to them on the last day, and I'm like, yo, Calvin, what's going on? Talking to them, hanging out. I forget, uh, it's Black Magic Games. I forget the owner's name. I feel bad, but he's also a really nice guy. I was like, yo, did you guys happen to pick up any Expedition Scalding Tarns while you're here? And they're like... Uh, let us check in the box. And lo and behold, they, they ended, they purchased two expedition scalding tarns on mm. site, you know, that day. And I'm like, yo, you guys just, you want to sell me those? And I'm like, yeah, what, what, here, how about we do like 170 for them? And I'm like, yes, thank you. Oh my God. A reasonable, reasonable price. It's like they were going for like 168 on TCG play. Right. So right. <laughs> like, like totally like way better than the $215 like sure. other vendors were trying to charge for them. So plus they, they accepted like store credit. So I basically traded my entire like trade binder in for uh two expedition scouting tarns. Nice. So yeah. Also, I mean, Calvin always treats me right. Black magic games is awesome. If you're at an event and you see, you know, Calvin, 
um, or Black Magic Games, you know, go up, say, say hi, uh, you know, tell them I say it because they are awesome. They will treat you right. Um, so I wanted to shout them out. Um, then, oh, I got to meet uh, Min and Rogved for the first time. Uh, so it was awesome getting to talk to those guys, finally getting to put, you know, a, a face to the people that I've only actually talked talk to in like Facebook chats and uh, forums. Um, so it was great getting to meet them. Uh, Ben Stewart's, who was a judge, he came up to me and he was like, uh, he would just want to talk about the cast. So it was great getting to meet him. <laughs> uh, the try hard guys got to meet all of them, which yep. is awesome. I felt bad cause, uh, we just, we were going to go out drinking together and it just didn't work out. Like uh, it was just, so, it's so <laughs> it's, hard to do everything the, you want to do at a, at a uh, big event. Like I didn't, so for the VIP package, it came with free, like a free massage. They had a massage therapist on site. I didn't get a massage pat because I didn't have time. I was too busy to get a massage. <laughs> I felt that was a big fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I got to meet Lincoln from our uh, Top Deck uh, app, which, yep. first of all, also, Top Deck worked like a gem Isn't during the tournament. Isn't that a sick app? Oh, man, yeah. It was, Top Deck was fucking awesome. Link, like Getting to meet to Lincoln, and also uh, we did like a little mini brainstorming session where we were like talking about cool features that would be awesome for him to add. And so he, he has some stuff in the pipeworks that uh, are pipeline that's that's the that's the euphemism right yeah sure <laughs> yeah um he has he has some uh some stuff in the in the pipeline that it's look really cool and i think it's just gonna make the app even better so it was great like getting to meet him face to face talking about it also lincoln's a tall dude i did <laughs> lincoln lincoln could play in the nba if he wants i don't know why he's designing apps <laughs> so lincoln it was it was awesome meeting you man um uh brian michael also he was working the door so i got to talk to him he came mm-hmm. and got like chinese food with us also i think the day this comes out is brian's birthday oh. so happy birthday brian happy birthday brian yeah um oh, also so like trevor and uh morgan it was great uh meeting those guys or not meeting like re- <laughs> 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 well the biggest the biggest thing was like talking about like all these people that i talk to on the facebook group all the time it's like I feel like I already know them. Mm-hmm. So then, like, I meet them in person or I, like, I re-meet them at, like, the second event. And I'm just like, I can't remember if we've, like, been hanging out all this time or if this is, like, literally the first time we've ever met each other in person. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was great getting to put, like, a face to so many people. Um, same with, like, Michael Mapson, uh, great guy. Um, you know, DJ is someone that I've, you know, seen all around. But this was, like, kind of the first time I spent a lot of time with DJ. And he's absolutely hilarious. Like, there are so many stories that I can't even remember. Like, there were just too many of them. <laughs> but also, like, uh, you know, Kevin, uh, Kevin Sprague, who's also a local player. Uh, and then Jacob from, uh, uh, Jake from upstate New York, uh, who was, like, the super nice uh, uh, Blue Red Delver player that I played against. Mm-hmm. So, as many as people as I just named, there's probably, like, 30 more that I didn't get a chance to write down and are escaping me. Uh, but I also really care about all of you people too, because it was just so awesome meeting everyone, hanging out, just getting to talk to so many people. Um, it, it was like, I can't wait for next year. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going, like, I definitely don't want to miss out on that. I felt, I felt, uh, I had a serious, uh, like fear of missing out moments, uh, seeing you guys down in, in, uh, in Philly. So can't miss that one. No, you got to come again. Oh, yeah. Well, it was in Pittsburgh. If you had gone to Philly, you wouldn't have seen well, us right. either. Well, right, yeah, Pittsburgh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do wish next year that they would 
do it in kind of an easier place to get to. Like Pittsburgh's an awesome city. Once I was in Pittsburgh, yeah. it was awesome. But man, it is just a pain in the ass to get to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay, cool. So is that your top eight? Cause that, that was about forty five minutes. That was uh that was a top sixty four. Top sixty four, <laughs> awesome. Uh I have two people I'm gonna scoop in the top eight this week. Uh first, our newest patron, Mike Noble. Thank you, Mike, for supporting the cast. We really appreciate it. Uh and also wanna give a scoop in the top eight to Cassius Marsh. Uh the, fo- the newest, football player? One of the newest uh Patriots. He plays DN and tackle for him. Uh had a great blocked kick in the game on Sunday. And wanted to give him a scoop in the top eight for that. He got a high five from Bill. And uh, you know those are rare, so he should treasure it for sure. Isn't he a Magic player, too? He Yeah, the, well, that's why he's in the top eight. He's also a Magic player. Uh, he did play in the main event. Uh, we're not Vegas. just, we're just not just, I'd, I'd like to scoop in Kevin Durant. For, <laughs> uh, no, sure he played a, game. Uh, he's an avid <laughs> Magic player. Pretty sure he plays Legacy Elves. Um, he, uh, I think he also plays Legacy Goblins. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, also else. Uh, yeah, Magic player. Uh, awesome to see him uh, doing well in in, uh, in the city of champions. Um, all right. So if there's nothing else, Jerry, um, if people want to find us, they can get a hold of Jerry on Twitter at jme3rd. You can find me on Twitter at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo. I will stream again when Jerry stops delaying our recording process. It's been, real pain, it's been a real pain in my ass lately. You did not want me to record yesterday on zero hours of sleep. I was literally delusional. I well, was it, seeing it things yesterday. It might have yesterday. been less than two hours of recording time, so that would have been nice. No, no, absolutely not. I, I, had, I forced myself to stay awake so I didn't ruin my sleep schedule, so I just stayed awake for a full 48 hours. Yeah, yeah it's, that's, I've, I've done it. It's not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't no. feel good. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, so the stream is twitch.tv slash patyouglow. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Uh, just search for us on all the bullshits. You can find us there. Uh, Jerry, you got a data roll? Yeah. It is seven. All right, we can do seven because that's, that's not too many numbers. Hold on, let me get up to the top here. Oh, Braden Defoe uh, wants Reanimator by Terrifier. Is that a real song? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> I, is this Braden's first one? I mean, he's the one who started the list. I feel I, he deserves it. I believe it is his first one, yes. Well, how, how? When did he post this? April 9th. Of what, this year? <laughs> yeah, this year. <laughs> yeah. Braden got what he wants. Play us out with something sweet, man.